this flyover clip. Okay, so um, can you break down for us what is exactly AI? And, and, and when did like that term begin? Like yeah. how long has that been there? And I guess it tied it we tied all this into one package, but the difference between just technology that does things mm-hmm. in the computer and AI. Like where does just technology end and AI mm-hmm. begin and where does that take place? The dream of AI goes back, um, you, I don't think you could put a, a pinpoint on it. You know, some of the earliest myths about uh, artificial humanoid beings go back 2,500 years, you know, to the ancient Greeks, ancient Buddhists. Really? Ancient Chinese, yes. Um, the, you know, humanoids that were brought to life or even uh, mechanical humanoids in the case of the, there's one really amusing Chinese myth where uh, the emperor or the the king the ruler uh, has c- commissions the creation of a kind of mechanical humanoid male, uh, and uh, he begins uh, flirting with the concubines, and so the the emperor has him uh, taken back apart and decommissioned. Um, so, really? Yeah, and then you know, there's uh, legends in uh, Buddhism that uh, the Buddha's remains were guarded by what what we would call robots, right? Like uh, you know, statues that are brought to life. Uh, you know, you have stories of Hephaestus in, in ancient Greece doing uh, the same and, you know, the, his uh, women of gold, golden women. And also, uh, I believe it comes out of Homer, I believe, um, the, the legend of Talos, uh, the, again, kind of mechanical humanoid that guards the island of Crete. So the idea goes back a long way and, and they pop up again and again and again, the Gollum. Uh, which is an ancient uh, Jewish myth, but really came into its own in the 16th century in Prague, in what's now Czech Republic. Uh, But artificial intelligence, the term, uh, came out of the famous Dartmouth Conference in 1956. Uh, uh, John McCarthy um, and uh, a number of others, I believe Marvin Minsky was there. If not, he was certainly, I believe he was there. Anyway, um, Artificial intelligence was coined by John John McCarthy then, and the idea of artificial intelligence then was simply to make a machine that could think. Mm-hmm. And um, it, throughout World War II, you had the beginnings of what we now call computer technology, and the the dream then of um, they just simply using what they had then logically inferred you could keep making that machine more and more sophisticated, so the information processing would be closer and closer to what humans do. And, you know, side by side with that, you got to remember the mechanistic understanding of the brain, like to, to the, the, the worldview that sees the human brain as a sort of machine, a very, very complex machine. Mm-hmm. Um, that had already uh, been introduced and, and had a lot of momentum among intellectuals. So now the idea that you can make a machine that was like a brain, you know, if there's no soul, there's no God, um, there's not really a good reason you couldn't, and there's not a good reason you shouldn't. Mm. Um, so, okay. so what year was that probably? Uh, 1956 was when the, the term itself was coined and the definition of artificial intelligence in brief, making a machine that could think like a human. Um, it was around that time, Alan Turing, uh, uh, who also was on, uh, this, uh, this, this path, this cultural path, um, had uh, come up with the Turing test. And it's just simply, how would you, once you've come up with this machine, how would you be able to, uh, identify it as an intelligent being as, as opposed to just mere mechanism. And he suggested the Turing test, which is to ask, have um, the, the the respondents uh, invisible to the questioner and have a machine and have a human and uh, ask them, the human would ask them both questions and uh, humans. And if 70% of those questioning uh, believed that the machine was in fact a human, then it would be then considered intelligent. And according to pretty much 
people still argue if there's one thing that artificial intelligence experts are always doing is flexing ego. So mm. one says something, even if the other agrees, they're always, but, but a lot of people agree. And it's certainly Sam Altman, uh, Elon Musk, people like that. They believe um, we're well past the Turing test with things like chat GPT, mm. uh, wow. you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> the, the real point though, is that this dream is old mm-hmm. and, um, and now, uh, now I, that unless it's done in secret, unless there is a secret, lab a secret server farm buried deep within the earth that contains an artificial general intelligence and many conspiracy theorists insist that that's in fact the case um then nothing like that exists now but people still call what we're using artificial intelligence and what what happened around the 80s uh and, and into the 2000s is you 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 had the development of different systems that could perform narrow functions Okay. So some of the earliest ones were handwriting uh, recognition mm-hmm. and, and text recognition, optical character recognition, mm-hmm. uh, and e- even facial recognition, object recognition had begun, so, and, and other things. And uh, those narrow capabilities going into the 2000s really began to ramp up. And then uh, there was really a big burst in the last 10 years of innovation. And, and so the way to describe that as being a form of intelligence without calling it AI, like real AI, mm-hmm. what was oftentimes called real AI, it was divided in uh, two different ways. Uh, I'll only focus on one. Artificial narrow intelligence versus artificial general intelligence was one solution. That was um, uh, Shane Legg, who was at Google at the time, went on to co-found DeepMind. Which, uh, okay. mm-hmm. uh, but Shane Legg coined artificial general intelligence, if I recall correctly, uh, 2005. And then the term itself was made popular by a man, Ben Gertzel. Uh, a lot of people recognize him from his uh, leopard skin cowboy hat. And he, he held a lot of conferences around the world in very prestigious areas. They're tech-saturated. And uh, this concept of artificial general intelligence. So narrow intelligence would be facial recognition, protein modeling, uh, weapons control systems, uh, What's protein modeling mean? Uh, to, to model uh, how a protein would fold after, or, you know, given a certain genome. Okay. So uh, DeepMind has a program called AlphaFold, but there are a lot of other uh, similar programs. Protein folding was has been notoriously difficult for, for biologists. Um, DeepMind has had tremendous breakthroughs in being able to predict how a protein would fold from first principles. It's not been tested extensively in the lab, so we'll see how accurate it is. But it's uh, technically speaking, it is really amazing. But yeah, artificial narrow intelligence is just those narrow capacities. Mm-hmm. General intelligence is gluing them all together into one mm-hmm. being. It's also interesting, again, if you look at the, the human brain, right, even just what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you look into my eyes and you, you know, use your uh, in, in, internal dissecting mad scientist – you can imagine just the eyeball as a machine and then the optic nerve going into the visual cortex, and that would be a, a one narrow intelligence, right? Because it is, in fact, creating an image from nothing but the mechanisms. Uh, and then from there, say, the facial recognition, you would have the memory inside my hippocampus and distributed across the brain. You can imagine that. And if, I, if it's just that, if it's just, you know, you imagine just my eyeball with an optic nerve and the visual cortex and, a, and the hippocampus just sitting here floating in front of you with no other... Uh, external uh, uh, casing and and other m- modules, you, you you might say that that is something like an intelligence. Uh, it's a it's a cognitive module, so I think it's justifiable to call artificial narrow intelligence an AI. 
but a lot of stuff gets the AI stamp, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when in fact it's just simply a computer program that's a bit more sophisticated than your run of the mill. A good way to think about it, I'll give you a real quick schema. Um, when you look at computer programming, you have first algorithms, just step by step processes mm-hmm. to get from the, okay. the input or the output, the input to some sort of productive output. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, you would have uh, uh, machine learning. And in machine learning, it's an algorithm, but it's, it's, it's a much more complex algorithm. Instead of the rules-based programming where it's like an Excel spreadsheet, you put the input in, mm-hmm. you have definite rules, and then the output is very predictable from those rules. With machine learning, it's uh, an algorithmic process where the machine itself is raking over the data and extracting meaningful patterns on its own. Is that considered AI or no? It, well, it depends on who you ask, but it, yes, I would say you you're now see. moving into the realm you're of asking AI. Joe Allen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to call it AI. It's, it's simpler that way than mm-hmm. you know splitting hairs. But there are many people who <clears throat> would say no, none of it's AI. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, because they're they're talking about the original, the real AI definition, right? Okay. That would have come from 1956, 1956, and even before. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then from machine learning you get uh, the kind of next level, which is deep learning. And it, it, again, machine learning is algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. It's just more complex algorithms that are somewhat self-determined uh, and a bit non-deterministic. Uh, they kind of have freedom, wiggle room. With deep learning systems, uh, AlphaFold would be a really good example. Uh, ChatGPT would be another really good mm-hmm. example. At the time, it was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, deep learning systems. Uh, deep learning is just an extension of machine learning in general, it means an artificial neural network, and what that means is that you have basically a simulation of sorts of the processes of the human brain, mm-hmm. so that instead of neurons, you have nodes. Instead of axons and dendrites, you have parameters. But if you've ever seen the schema of an artificial neural, neural network, you know you'll have like the input layer, you have all these different connections, you have these hidden layers in between, and the output. And, of course, even those schemas are kind of deceiving because mm-hmm. what, what it actually would look like is, you know, uh, millions or even billions. Uh, but it just gives you an idea of how mm-hmm. the information flows through it. And so because of that subtlety and that complexity, deep learning is going over. It's basically just machine learning writ large. It, it, it is able to process – a deep learning system is able to process far more data and with much more subtlety. And the output is going to be that much more unpredictable. And that's ChatGPT. ChatGPT is a great example. Okay. And, and you know what? ChatGPT is a good example of the argument over whether something is or isn't artificial intelligence. Because it is, in some sense, like if, if you had a dog that could write a crummy poem, mm-hmm. you would say it's intelligent. Yeah. Um, it, even if the poem was crummy. Oh, right. yeah. Even if it wasn't even an original poem, right? Like the dog had just been sitting and reading uh you know all of all the the, the poets people will come the, from miles around we could actually charge yeah, for them they, to they come probably worship stuff. it yeah, yeah. probably yeah <laughs> you know, be like um, what is this yeah. so so i think that this whole i i i understand the the derision and uh, skepticism around chat gpt like oh it's not really intelligent it's just it's just a plagiarist machine or so so on and so forth mm-hmm. yes that's true but uh, so are the so are mediocre writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it it represents a real step forward with the technology. There's a kind of famous YouTube clip um, out of Jordan Peterson, and it's gone around a lot. Where he's I don't know, he's on a, a panel and he's discussing, and he's he's talking about I, th- I think it was himself, maybe someone else that were entering information into ChatGPT, and it was um, basically asked it to use his Ten Rules book. 
Yes. But make up another one. And I think in like the King James version, but using like a Chinese philosopher's beliefs and it did it almost immediately. And he read what it came up with and was astounded at how brilliant it was. It was like as if he wrote it in a King James version through the philosophical lens of this Chinese philosopher as well. And he was like, this is something that baffled him. It was a, it was a, like, it was awestruck yes. at what happened. It, is the fact that someone as brilliant as Jordan Peterson being awestruck, does that immediately define it as being artificial intelligence, or is it just a match to somebody who had, had to rub sticks together? You is know, it just an evolutionary jump, or does that mean it actually has the thinking ability, or is it just so much more computing power that it could just connect a lot more things than we can wrap our minds around. Well, you are tempting me to mock Jordan Peterson and therefore tempting your audience to hate me. For, <laughs> at least those, those who are JPB fans uh, or JBP fans. Um, you know, that was in Canada uh, not that long ago. I think it was at the beginning or the end of last year. Yeah, so. And uh, yes, uh, Peterson was certainly cheerleading GPT. He said, it, 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 you know, it's smarter than you and in two years it'll be a hell of a lot smarter than you <laughs> yeah so look out our founding fathers evolved the idea that you and i have within ourselves the god-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny but freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction we didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream the only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. This is a crazy time to be alive. Well, just in our lifetime, it used to be where you'd hear your grandparents talk about how cheap gas was and stuff, and it was 75 years before, 50 years you yeah. know, before. And so we've seen a lot of changes since Biden took office, $700 more a month. Than what you needed in January of 21 when he took office. You might hear these kind of things and think, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't control the government. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control the spending, but we can take care of ourselves. You want to make sure that you're buying bullion from somebody that you can trust and someone that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell. If there's going to be a commission, have it on the front end, not the back end when it skyrockets. And now you're like, oh, my gosh, look at this big, huge commission I got to pay because it's on the back end before I sell it. You can buy an ounce of silver for $23. So this is something everybody can get into. And if silver goes to $50, if it goes to $75, if it goes to $100, all of those profits are yours. And that's happening while the dollar is buying less and less at the actual grocery store. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or to do the same thing, you can just call 720-605-3900. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing? chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons. Those are all things that fascinate me. 
decided to use our platform of the Flyover Conservative podcast and create a new show called Conspiracy Conversations. Every Saturday morning, we get together with some of the brightest minds in the world that have spent thousands of hours on a topic, churning through the research, looking at things they've traveled, they've been to the locations, they're looking for the truth because they're as curious as you and I are about what's true. What is really true about our past, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going? We don't bring on guests to iron out their wrinkles and find out the things that we disagree on. No more than I go to the grocery store and and, and try to put everything in the whole store in my cart. I just try to walk out with better ideas than I had when I walked in. If you got something inside you that's like, what about that? I don't even know if I agree, but I would like to hear them out. If you have an open mind and a curious heart, we've got a show for you every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, conspiracyconversations.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com. 